Pisces. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. blah. We're talking. Da, da, da. We're talking. We're doing it. In the midst of nothingness and unknowing Follow the compass light my heart is showing There's so much wrong in the world these days Almost can't keep my head on straight But I'll keep going Share my voice in the most authentic way. Hello, folks. My name is Kaylin Otto, and welcome to the second episode of the Will Work for Food podcast. Woohoo! I am seriously so excited and relieved that I finally kind of figured out how to put these together and share them. Like I said in the last episode, I've never been a tech person. So I spent hours trying to figure out how to do this. And someone sent me a simple post, shout out to the DXC crew, um, that sent me the link on how to put a podcast together. And it was super easy and I didn't have to wait hours, but all said and done, finally got it together. Thank you for hanging in there and listening to the second episode. So if you have not seen my website before, you can find me at wanderwoman.online. Um, and there I have my blog where I teach you how to travel the world for free. So this is an interesting and maybe a new concept for some people, but I'm giving this my second go around. Currently right now I'm in California and I just started traveling again with no money. So if you go to my blog and check it out, you can see my links, my how to travel the world with no money, um, how you can prepare tips along the way, different lessons that I've learned, stories, etc. So more than that, more than just teaching you how to travel and giving you tips and advice, this is a platform to share the stories of others. And if you haven't listened to the episode from last week, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to it because I got to talk to Julian Perry, who is an animal rights activist, and whether I don't, you know, whatever your beliefs are on animal rights and how many they should have, I think that you will find that story really touching and interesting at least um, because Julianne went to China. She rescued her animal companion, Pao, along with a couple other dogs. Um, and I got to meet them at the forum and they're living happy and safe and healthy and free right now. But that's a really interesting story. So I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that one. I am so excited that I got to talk to Julianne about that. Um, but for now, I wanted to catch you up on what I've been doing. So after I talked to Julianne, at the forum. Um, we had many other protests and disruptions and things like that, but there's definitely one that I think is worth mentioning. So, um, you learned a little bit about the forum in the last episode. Like I said, it's a convergence where we all get together. This one lasted a week and there's tons of animal rights folks and people who just kind of want to make this world a better place, um, and love each other and be better and learn. And that's exactly what we did. But on the last day of the forum, we knew we were going to do a really big disruption demonstration and we didn't know what we were going to do. So we all gathered around in a circle um, and we listened to Wayne give us some instructions and a few hundred of us gathered and we had white flowers and we did this almost silent march all the way downtown to, I think it was in Chinatown, um, 
But it was weird because it was like we were just literally walking down normal streets and we ended up at a slaughterhouse. So we went through this alley in this huge group of us, you know, silently walking. And we stood in front of what looked like a store, but it was actually a slaughterhouse. So if you looked inside, at first you would see the counter, you know, where you could buy animal parts, dead birds and such. And if you look past it, it was the slaughterhouse and it had all these no recording signs up along the doors um, in the front part. And it had a bunch of restaurants around it where you could clearly see the birds' bodies being sold. And so we did some civil disobedience and we did basically a sit-in where we stood there and traffic was blocked off. And on the whole march there also, I might mention that we blocked off traffic um, so that we didn't have to stop for lights. We just kept on marching, which is a little bit crazy and also a totally different experience for me. Um, but the police were really awesome and they helped us out with that. But anyways, when we got to the slaughterhouse, we stood outside doing our civil disobedience and a handful of people went inside and just, you know, barged right in with cameras and they were ready to rescue birds. Um, the whole point of the activists going inside were to document the conditions of the birds living inside and save lives. So six lives were saved that day. We saved six birds and they now live in sanctuaries. Um, but we really couldn't see what was going on in the inside. So when we stood outside and waited for a really long time, we had no idea what was going on. Because um, going into situations like that are risky. The workers could be upset. Things could get violent. Um, obviously, the cops are going to be called. You never really know what's going to happen. So we waited and waited in anticipation. Um, we all kind of just, you know, stood there silently with each other, whispered a few times just to ask questions or ask your neighbor if you could see inside. But when the birds started coming out um, and being loaded into a van, there were so many tears. And so many people were happy and excited and sad and just emotions were really all over the place and I say people were sad because there were still birds inside that we couldn't save um which is always really hard so activists just went in here they documented the conditions of these birds which were, which were awful and they rescued six birds and then the police showed up and Wayne, one of the main people who went in to rescue birds, said that he wasn't leaving until all the birds um, were set free, that we could take them with us to sanctuary. And they told him no. And he said, well, I'm not leaving and you're going to have to arrest me then. And they were trying to get him to not be arrested, but he wouldn't leave um, until all the birds were rescued. So naturally he got arrested and we all stood outside and peacefully protested and we just sang songs of liberation for the animals and it was really really beautiful but that was our last day and um hopefully there will be a video up soon there's already so many um excuse me I'm yawning <laughs> it's a little later at night but there's already so many news articles written on it um and actually segments on the news that show video and pictures. So I will put a link up so you can see more about that. But that was the last big thing that we did together and it was super amazing. So after that, the forum kind of died down a little bit and people went back home and I still stayed at my friend's house. Um, in the next episode, I will tell you all about three wonderful and really random things that I did 
So stay tuned because that's exciting. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about that. But I want to cover a few things first here because I have a really exciting interview to present to you. Um, so we all stayed at this house and we went on a hike. And we found this beautiful swing that overlooked the city of San Francisco. And that was my first time. I always see all these like people that look really pretty in pictures like swinging over some big sky in the city or some horizon and I've always wanted to do that and I never really knew how it worked and we finally found a really awesome swing on this hike and I got to do that and I took some cool pictures so that will probably be in the podcast photo for this episode so check that out that was really exciting and super fun it was also kind of scary because someone would grab the swing from the bottom and run down this like dirt steep where the swing was on and then they'd have to run down into the grass downhill and you would swing out over the city um, away from the dirt away from the trees and then come back and there were some people who were really afraid but I was really excited because I love swings so (laughs) something small but I just wanted to share that we also had a really awesome dance party on one of my last days at the house where my friends and I were outside Um, we were out there when it was light And we stayed out there into dark just dancing to different songs and doing yoga and taking videos and pictures and laughing. But the different thing was is that a few of my friends had taken a vow of silence for the animals that we couldn't rescue um, to stand in solidarity with them. So most people couldn't talk while we were out there having this dance party. So it was a really new experience um, to be around tons of people dancing and having fun and connecting and not really talking so it was lots of hand signals and gestures and eye contact and just body language and fun things like that but it was really magical as it got dark and we all just had lots of fun and connected and it was a really great way to end the week so after that just to update you on where I'm at, what I'm doing, I got picked up by my friend's dad, and he is so awesome. I am living the RV life right now, but before we left Berkeley, we went to Butcher's Son, which you really should go to if you're eating plant-based, or, you know, if you're not, everyone should go there. It's in Berkeley, California, and it's like a meat and cheese shop, except it's all plant-based. It's all vegan-friendly, and it was so cool. I had pancakes and plant-based bacon and plant-based scrambled eggs, which I haven't had any of those things in a long time. And it was so good. I also had cheese sticks. And this was for lunch. It was a weird combination for lunch, but it was so yummy. So definitely check that out. If you look at my Instagram, you can see the pictures from that meal. It's scary to me because it almost looks like real flesh and eggs, but it's not. It is all plant-based and amazing goodness. So I've basically been here just catching up on work going on runs, um, going to the pool, which I didn't know was here, but that's really exciting, and really just getting my stuff together so that I can share more awesome things with you. So now I want to share with you an interview that I did with a friend. She is amazing and beautiful and talented and so inspiring. Um, We actually talked to each other online before we met at the forum. We have so many things in common. It is literally unreal. I feel like I was cloned into this different person, you know, who looks differently and talks a little differently or whatever, but we are so alike. It's not even real. Anyways, this person biked across the country doing the Transamerica Trail, 
which I also did, but I think I biked a lot less than her and her friends, and my trip was a lot different. But I got to interview her about this, and she gives some really good advice, um, not only for biking, but for life as well, so I think you might really enjoy this. So here we go with our first real travel interview um, about someone's experience traveling, and maybe it'll inspire you to do some traveling. for talking to me. I'm really excited to talk to you about your bike trip and everything you're doing and just about your lifestyle in general. So could you just start off by telling everyone your name? And it's really boring, but just how many years, you know, you've been alive, you've been around and that good stuff. (laughs) Sounds good. So I'm Naomi and I have been around for 23 years. And I've been vegan for six of those. Oh my gosh. That's a long time. So, and I'm here in Berkeley. And you're here in Berkeley. Um, so we met at the DXE forum, which in the last podcast I covered that a little bit. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. But as like a little warm up, I wanted you to get to know people. Um, I want to know how you think your friends in general, maybe that don't know you the best, would describe you. Like, do huh. you think that it's different <laughs> from how you would describe yourself? If you could choose, like, one word or one statement, how would your mm-hmm. friends describe you? That's a good question. Well, I would say that the way my friends would describe me would be pretty similar to how I would describe yeah. myself because I'm a pretty open person. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, I think they would say that I'm pretty outspoken. Yeah. And I hope and believe they would say that I do it with love and compassion and that I'm also pretty goofy, (laughs) not just, you know, doing activism as it might seem for my social media, (laughs) but um, that I also like to go on adventures and explore and have a good time. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) You do from what I've seen here and from everything I know about you. Um, So today we are touching on travel a little bit which is exciting. So Naomi did a bike trip like I did last summer, which is actually how I ended up in San Francisco last summer, and I'm here again now. But it's really cool because I feel like what we were talking about earlier, it's a smaller community, and you don't really know that it exists until you're in it and you're talking to other people about it. So can you just tell me about the bike trip, like a general overview? If if people don't know anything about the Transamerica Trail, can you just tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So our trip was called Trash Freeway. And so something, I'm not sure how much I told you about this, is we actually did our trip trash free. So we were trying to be zero waste during our trip. I don't think you told me that at all. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, fun fact about our trip. And we were also all vegan. And it started with three of us. And I had never ridden a bike more than probably two miles, let alone with like 90 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So... The first day was quite a shock. My best friend and I, I remember 
Jamie and I looking at each other and being like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Why? What What did we think we were doing? We didn't right. train at all. Right. Um, however, you know, every day you just pedal and keep pedaling and pedaling. suddenly you're somewhere. Right. And um, do you know how long it is? That would probably be... How like, many miles? Yeah, how many miles so, it's supposed to be? it's... I don't know. So we didn't actually stay. We didn't do the whole Trans Am. Yeah. So... Basically, the Transamerica Trail is a really popular um, bike trail across America. You can order maps from the Adventure Cycling Adventure Association. Adventure Cycling, that's what We were called. trying to remember the name yeah. earlier. Um, so we started with the maps, but okay. we actually started off of the Trans Am um, because we started at a friend's house who didn't live anywhere near the trail. And then we would kind of get on it and then get off of it depending on if we found somewhere to stay yeah. or we wanted to go somewhere. Um, that wasn't on the trail. So we didn't hold to it the whole time. And then actually because we weren't quite in shape for it and (laughs) it was more of an adventure for us than a race. We, uh, when we got to Colorado, I believe we, the Trans Am trail goes North and Mm -hmm. you end in Oregon and we needed to go South because it was getting cold. Mm -hmm. So we actually went down, um, through New Mexico and Arizona and we ended in Southern California. Um, because oh, we wow. weren't going to be able to bike through the snow, right. et cetera. So for everyone who doesn't know the normal map, it starts in Virginia and it ends in Oregon. Um, so you like really completely made up. Oh yeah, we your completely own made up our own thing. Um, we ordered some other maps for Route 66. Okay, but we ended up by that point we felt confident enough going off the map and yeah. just. Um, if you've ever heard of the website Warm Showers, we use yes. Warm Showers a lot. Which, Lifesaver. Yes. For those of you who don't know who are listening, it's kind of like couch surfing, but more specifically for cyclists. Yeah. So it's a lot of people who have also done bike tours and different travel experiences, and they host travelers, yeah. uh, especially cyclists. Yeah. So we had been using that a lot on our trip, and just by that time we had been on the road for so many months, we right. felt pretty confident doing our own thing right oh my gosh that's awesome so whose idea was this to bike and how did you come up with the idea for zero waste because that's really interesting yeah so what happened was we were graduating college and we wanted to do some traveling before we got jobs and so we kind of talked about what different I guess characteristics we wanted of the trip so we wanted to meet a lot of people Mm -hmm. we wanted to do something where we're moving our bodies, not just sitting in a car. Um, And then we started talking about how we haven't really seen a lot of the United States. Yeah, yeah. It's such a big country. something that a lot of us don't do. We always go out of the country. Exactly. So we just started thinking about ways, you know, we could do all those things. And then we ended up at a dinner where a friend of ours was talking about his bike tour across America. And after the dinner, we looked at each other and we were like, that, that is what we're doing. That is so funny. Isn't that funny how it works out? Because when I was making my plan too, I was like, oh, like this is how I want to travel. And I went to a dinner after a yoga session and someone's like, someone does it somewhere with no money. And I'm like, that's how I'm doing it. Yeah. It's so funny. And we definitely didn't do it no money, but we stayed for free every single night. We didn't pay for housing one night of the trip. So we like knocked on people's doors, met people at the grocery store, (laughs) um, stayed at fire departments. We stayed at a lot of churches, um, some temples. Uh, so we also did it with low expenses as well. And why did you decide to do it with no waste? I know that you're already vegan yeah. for different reasons. So we but... wanted to have a mission behind the trip because okay. we thought we're going to be meeting so many people and yeah. we're going to have so many people following our trip. It would be really cool to have 
some sort of mission. So we talked about different ideas and we decided that it might not be the best thing for our mission to be about veganism. Mm -hmm. This was about two years ago. I'm in a totally different place right now. So I probably wouldn't feel that way now, but I felt like we're going to be, you know, in farm country and we're probably going to be staying with hunters and pig farmers and all these people. And it, we're definitely going to be vegan. There was no question. Right. We we were going to figure out how to be vegan the entire time. But we felt like it might be better to introduce people to a concept that they wouldn't feel so immediately attacked by. Because right. we were going to be asking to stay at their houses for yeah, free. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we were sitting in a coffee shop while we were talking about this. And then we were like, wow, we have so much trash around us yeah. right now. Like. Um, and then we started talking about food waste and just like trash and food waste kind of tie together. And also because it um, is related to food and environmental stuff, it would be easy to get from that into a conversation about animal rights. Right. So it was kind of like an easy way to talk about the thing we really wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, and we just felt like no one would feel personally attacked if we started talking about trash. People think that there is too much waste. So it's like a, no one, yeah, no one would feel that we're saying something so extreme. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we decided to do that. And also we had never tried living a zero waste lifestyle. We yeah. thought it would be a really interesting thing to do. Um, and so everything we bought had to be compostable or okay. recyclable, but not every town had recycling. So yeah. there was days where we'd be biking with like a ton of empty cans on our bikes <laughs> and like definitely not the most lightweight right. way to do a trip. I was going to say, did that add a lot of weight? Because I know it's already like can be a lot on your bike with all your stuff. Yeah. Every piece of weight, you know, matters. And we yeah. have like glass jars from peanut butter and all the oh stuff that we had to carry gosh. with us. So you're like riding down the road. On your bike with your bags on the back that carries all your stuff, and then sometimes you have recycling added on. Yeah. That is so funny. Yeah. Okay. Oh, gosh. That's really good. I didn't know that before. Um, So you went with your two friends, and you told us how the idea started, but can you, like, story tell a little bit? Like, just move us through your trip? I know, for at least for mine, there was, like, different sequences. Like, I remember staying with people in Virginia and what that was like, and then moving on Can you story tell a little bit, like, just walk us through? Yeah, sure. So, like I said before, um, there's three of us to begin with, and we had four at one point, and it ended with two Mm. of us, so we kind of had people coming and going. And at the beginning, Jamie and I, you know, we just had absolutely no idea what we were doing, so our packing list (laughs) is pretty laughable. It consisted of, like, a ukulele, a waterproof ukulele case. A harmonica, oh just God, like all these unnecessary things. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're someone who's traveled like this before, you know that you shouldn't have all these random no, things with you. No. Like, yeah, like I said before, every piece of weight really matters. Right, especially when you're cycling. Yeah, so a fun fact about our trip is probably almost every day. I'm exaggerating, but every few days we were at a post office mailing boxes of stuff home. Oh my We gosh. had so much extra stuff that we didn't need that like every single day we were like, what can we part with? Right. And it was kind of cool to, every time we thought we were at the bare minimum, yeah. we were able to oh, find no. something else we could get rid of. Right. Which was really cool because I'm not the most minimalist person yeah. in the world and it was a really amazing experience for me to be like, what are the essentials, you know? What do I really, really need on this? And 
even things that we thought were essentials, we realized we didn't need. Right. My big example would be bike locks. You know, everyone said, you know, you're going on a bike tour, you need bike locks. And that seemed obvious. But after 30, like 37 days or something, we realized we have not locked our bikes up once because all of our, you know, possessions are attached to our bikes. Yeah. And so if we locked our bikes up, we still have to stay with our bike You're because yeah. our laptops are on our bike, right. everything, our yeah. lights, you know, our cameras. So there was never one situation where we left our bikes alone anyways. <laughs> and even if we did, you know, all of our stuff was on there. Right, so, right. So we may, and our locks are really heavy. You locks, yeah. you know. Oh yeah, I got one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So when we mailed those home, we were like, you know, even this thing that we thought was going to be a vital Right. Piece of safety in our trip. We don't even need that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so to walk you through our trip a little bit. So, yeah, we started basically by climbing through the Appalachians. Oh, was, my gosh. Yeah. We were not prepared. Can you, like, I, I know what it feels like, but I don't know if everyone else knows what it feels like to not bike. And then all of a sudden, all you do is bike. Yeah, so... That's a weird sensation. It like, is such a weird sensation. Basically, every time you get up a hill. You want to die. Yeah, you want to die. You're going downhill and you're like, I did it. Yeah. Thank God. Like, let's keep pedaling. And you turn a corner and there's another hill (laughs) double the size of the one before. (laughs) And I just remember my jaw dropping when I would see the hill because it looks so steep and you're like, there's no way I'm going to make it up there. Right. And I don't know if this happened to you, Kaylin, but I would kind of come up with these mantras where like, um, phrases I would repeat to myself to help me get up the hills. Right. So even if they were just like, you are awesome, you can yeah. do it. You are <laughs> awesome, you can do it. And <laughs> you just keep saying it right. and then you get to the top of the hill and then you do it again yeah, and yeah. again and again. Yeah, no, I did the same thing, but I was like terrified of hills because I had crashed my bike down once. I'm like, you are safe. You are safe. Yeah. You can do it. You are safe. Go up the hill. I had even had to start lit- listening to meditations when I did it too because I would get so like, <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. So another aspect of our trip is we did not listen to anything for what? 89 days. Was that on purpose? Yeah. So okay. we didn't listen to any podcasts, any oh music. The entire trip, we were just in our heads, just us, yeah. um, because we wanted to see what it would be like to spend all day, you know, in our thoughts, right. and that was really hard, because I remember there was a time in Kansas when we got to our destination, and we laid down on these picnic benches, yeah, and we were like, we've gone through every thought there is to think. Yeah. Like, it was a really, it was halfway through the trip, right. and we felt... Like, our thoughts were kind of just going in circles, and it was really hard to just be with yourself for, you know, 10 hours a day. And so, to kind of deal with that and to mix it up a little bit, we would do different things, like ask each other a question and then think about it for 25 minutes, and then bike back together and talk about it, you know, kind of do, like, um, we would propose questions, or, or we would, I, you know was singing songs to myself all the time. Yeah. We wrote a ton of songs, like very silly songs <laughs> yeah. about the Kansas being flat or right. whatever it was. Right. We had like a whole album of bike tour songs. Oh my We gosh. would play these silly games like, I don't know. I don't even remember like how high can we count yeah. or, you know, we just had to come up with all these right. things. We would make up stories and... It was just a really intense experience. I don't 
remember any other time in my life where I've just, like, had to be with my own thoughts for so long. We're never like that. No. No. And it was really challenging and really powerful and incredible. Right. What do you think, like, that I'm sure there's so many things, but what do you think you took out of that specific experience of no music, no news, no podcast? Like, what do you think that you took out of that? That's Mm -hmm. probably a really hard question, but... Yeah. Well, I would definitely say when we talked about doing that before the trip, I kind of thought, you know, this is right after college. I'm not really sure what I want to do next. And so I thought, like, I was going to have all these magical epiphanies and find myself and, (laughs) you know, all these things we all want. But obviously it's not that easy. Otherwise, we would all do bike tours and know everything. Um, So I guess it kind of taught me to sit with um, different insecurities Mm -hmm. or different hopes I had or goals and even if I couldn't answer like how to actualize them or what I wanted to do with this or how to deal with this negative thing I was thinking I think Jamie and I really wanted a lot of solutions out of this trip Mm -hmm. but it more taught us how to like address what these different aspects of ourselves are and kind of figure out what they are yeah uh, this is kind of vague, so I don't know if it makes no, sense. No, no, no. That's a hard question. No, yeah. that makes sense. That makes so sense. So it kind of taught me to be able to... I realized a lot of things about myself, and I yeah. I can't say I, like, solved anything. Right, right. But I had a lot of uh, more understanding about, like, yeah, who I am, right. I guess. That is... No, because I remember going into my bike trip, and I was like... I didn't know what I wanted, but I'm like, by the time I'm going to know myself, I'm going to know all these things I want. And then I got left with more questions yeah. than I ever had answers to. Totally. That's so exactly it's so what funny happens. how that works. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I, two new things about your trip, the zero waste and doing it without. So did you have any other goals like when you started or like regulations that you wanted to try to practice? Yeah. Uh, let me think about that. So... Well, we wanted to not pay for housing the entire okay. time, so that was another thing right. about it. Um, and it's funny, I have a friend, uh, one of my best friends, who just did a 10-day bike tour, and at the end of it, she just finished yesterday, I believe, and she posted, I could start a blog about the best gas stations to sit outside <laughs> of, and I was laughing so hard because, you know, that was like the highlight of every day was just getting off your bike, sitting down with an iced tea in front of a gas station, talking to people who were coming in and out who saw your gear and wondering what you were doing, sharing stories, meeting people. We had so many people, you know, start following our blog and our journey. And, you know, normally when you go to a gas station in your daily life, you're not like going to socialize. No, not at all. Yeah. In and out by. Yeah. How quick can I get in and out of here? Whereas on this trip, it was like, how long can I stay here? Right, right. <laughs> and, um... Oh, gosh, so relatable. Yeah, so that was just a funny random thing that popped into my head. But, um, any other restrictions or anything? I think for me, I had been vegan at that point for a number of years. Yeah. And I didn't consider myself an activist at mm-hmm. the time. Because I felt, like, very critical of different things about different group. Mm-hmm. And it was different groups, and it was paralyzing me from subscribing to any group to start doing activism because I was scared about tactics being ineffective and all different things um and I would say that 
I had never really, I grew up in Miami Beach and went to school in New York City, and I've just been kind of in a very progressive bubble my whole Mm. life, and getting out there into the middle of nowhere where there's, like, Confederate flags everywhere, and, um, you know, people are carrying guns on their waist, and had never heard of veganism, all these things. Yeah, I haven't even heard of the word before. However, like, so many of these people who I met, who, if a few years ago you had told me you're gonna sleep at one of their houses, I would have laughed and said, you know, never. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But these were the kindest, most generous, genuine, loving people I had ever met, and these people who are killing animals and, you know, at promoting really horrible things in society right. are also not bad people. They're right. part of a really bad system. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, that trip shaped a lot of my activism. And I remind myself all the time that I'm not mad at people. And it's really, I think, because of my experience in this trip that yeah. I'm like, these farmers are oftentimes, if not always you know, just trying to make a living and just doing what their families did. And that's not an excuse to hurt someone, but it is, it does give me empathy and understanding that I have had these personal relationships with Mm -hmm. these people and they have been so, so kind. Right, right. And definitely today as I do my activism, it really helps me um, direct my anger towards systems of oppression and not individuals. You know what? That's so funny that you say that because same thing happened to me. And I remember staying at someone's house. They were a hunter and they had like all these stuffed animals. And I had to sleep downstairs and all these like stuffed, like real like life skin stuff animals were there. And I was thinking, oh my gosh. You know, and they were like, are you like really upset? Are you like mad at me? You hate me? And I was like, no, I don't actually. Like I really like to be able to experience this and talk about this with you. Um, so that's yeah, really special. It is really, really special. Um, and what do we have left on here? Like a few more minutes. A few more yeah. minutes. Okay. So just like a very logistical question. How many miles were you doing each day? I just want people to get a sense of what you were doing. Right. Totally. So people ask us this and I always say, you know, I don't really know how to answer that yeah. question because some days we took like a week off during the trip. multiple times it took us 89 days we didn't have like our stops planned out the whole time Mm -hmm. so honestly we never really had an average I guess if I were to say one I would say 50 miles but it really went anywhere from like eight miles to 100 miles um just depending on headwinds and hills and where we met people who could house us and there was a lot of factors so as I've mentioned in this podcast we you know, we didn't quite know what we were doing. Yeah. It was all about the adventure for us, yeah. not about hitting a certain target goal. Right. Um, I think the first time we hitchhiked during the trip, we felt really guilty about it. Yep. And we were like, is this cheating? Right. And then I think we really said to each other, you know, we're not doing this for anyone. Right. This is our adventure. And hitchhiking is just as much of an adventure, adventure as riding your bike. bike. Yeah. If not more, it's a little more risky in some ways. And, you know, when you're on your bike, you're, you know, riding alone. And when you're in someone's car, you're, like, having conversations, getting to know them. And so some of the best bonds we made were when we were in people's cars. So we just, you know, kind of thought about it from some different ways and we wouldn't just hitchhike the hitchhike we would do it circumstantially right. based on weather and winds and being healthy and whatever it was right. um so 
we didn't have a specific average. Yeah. And something that I think made me feel even more comfortable with how we did it was when we were in Kentucky, we met someone, often we met people who were doing similar trips. Mm -hmm. And this guy, we talked to him outside of the gas station. He was also biking across America. And he was doing like 150 miles a day. Ooh. Yeah, he was. You know, I met some of those people too. Yeah, he was not messing around. No. And we were like, you know, cracking up yeah. and about, you know, what we were doing. And so we got his phone number to keep in touch because he was going to be quite ahead of us. And right. we said, you know, if you find anywhere amazing to stay that you think we should stay, yeah. let us know. Um, so a few days later, or maybe a week later, he messaged us that he quit the trip because he was bored. And oh, we were like, wow. how can you be bored while biking across America? Right. And then we thought about it. If you're doing 150 miles a day, yeah. you are, like, not meeting people. Mm-hmm. You're not getting to see the landscape and experience yeah. all these, you know, half of the fun was off of our bikes. Right. You know, laying on the side of the highway, eating <laughs> cereal, laughing, you know, talking yeah. to cars that stopped. And right. if you're not taking those moments to have fun and experience and eat food and whatever all those things are, you know, I could see how it might be boring. Yeah, you're, like, (laughs) taking me back. This is, like, healing for me because I had felt so guilty when I, like, just got off the route and, like, would go do other things. And I'm like, I'm not doing it right. And, like, I had so much frustration and guilt around that, especially when I met other people biking Mm -hmm. and were doing, like, the set trail, like, so many miles a day. day. So this is, like, still, like, you know, I've gotten over that more because I'm, like, you learn so much and all that, but yeah. this is healing for me too. Yeah, to hear, to hear about this. Yeah. Yeah, I think when we heard that he quit because he was born, wow. that was like a big realization for us. Right. Is there's many, many words I would use to describe my bike tour, mm-hmm. and bored is not even close right. to one of them I would use. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Yeah. Um, there was another thing that I was just thinking that I really wanted to ask you. Oh, you were talking about staying with people. How do you think that your experience was shaped? from being a female, like, hitchhiking, which a lot of people seem to worry about a lot, um, hitchhiking, staying with people overnight, but you were in a group, too, so how do you think the group dynamic and just the aspect of being a female kind of played into that? Yeah, so I think we talked about this a number of times during the trip, um, because our friends and family were extremely worried, and I actually am quite a worrier about being a female in this world all the time walking down the street in my daily life at night I'm always looking behind me very nervous um so it was very odd to me that the safest I've ever felt was on this trip (laughs) um and I think because we were female it was almost a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. on the one hand people wanted to help us more and had a lot of empathy for us and we're Everyone we met was very worried about these two women traveling alone. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely played to our advantage of people immediately wanting to help us um, and not being scared of us, Mm -hmm. which was also, you know, in general, we talked a lot about our privilege of being two white women who Mm -hmm. went to NYU. And the moment someone saw us and we mentioned that we were NYU grads, immediately you could see people relax and want to help us. Um, and so we definitely talked about our privilege, um, being in these really small conservative towns. Right. Um, and that was really interesting. And then on the reverse, it's very easy to be taken advantage of being a woman. We were, we tried to be mindful, 
you know, we wouldn't, if we were in a grocery store, we wouldn't just walk up to a man and say, hey, can we stay at your house? You know, right. we would often uh, try to find a mother or uh, a couple mm-hmm. or, you know, try to be a little bit careful about who we were seeking housing and help from. Um, but the odd thing is that the most unsafe I ever felt on the trip with housing was mm-hmm. actually at a house of someone we knew before the trip. I was quite uncomfortable oh, at. Yeah. Um, and every single stranger's house we stayed at was absolutely incredible. Right. So I always like to tell people that because they are so shocked that we stayed at all yeah. these strangers' houses and the scariest part was actually at someone's house that we knew. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Was it just, oh wait, they, they might, like, know you're yet. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll leave that subject alone. But wow, that is so different. Um, I know that I came out of my trip, like, feeling almost like this restored faith in humanity. Did you feel that way at all? Definitely. Okay. The generosity we experienced is just absolutely unbelievable, and it's really shifted my perspective on so many things, um, even just, like, hosting friends when they come to town. Yeah. I immediately, if I have friends visiting, want to cook them dinner, want to yeah. take them around the city, at least leave them a key if I'm right. not even home. want to take care of them. Yeah, just because so many people took care of me. There was right. times when we were sitting outside a grocery store and someone came out and just handed us their bags of groceries. Mm-hmm. And just these, like, these aren't Aww. even people who have extreme privilege or I remember these construction workers gave us each $20 or something and we were just like these are not people who are you know rolling in the deep and just have money (laughs) to you know toss it out you know these are people who genuinely want to help you and want to make a difference and I know we have to wrap up and the one thing I'll say is I mentioned my friend just did a 10-day bike tour and she asked me for advice before and some advice people gave us was um, drink before you're thirsty and eat before you're hungry. Yeah. And my friend Holly, who just finished her trip, we were speaking on the phone after, and she said, thank you so much for telling me that, and I want to add a third thing to that. And the third thing I want to add so is excited for this. give before you're ready to give. Yeah. And that was just, like, the experience of all these people on right. the trip. I think she worded it a little bit better, but don't wait until – you have access to give, right. you know, start giving now. And I just loved that because it brought me back, you know, yeah. and it's just such a healing right. thing that so much in our daily lives, we're caught up on our, our own needs met are mm-hmm. we doing something that's fulfilling for ourselves and we forget to like look up and see how we can help other people fulfill their right. lives and their journeys. Right. And so, yeah, I'll just leave everyone with that. Eat before you're hungry, drink before you're thirsty, and give before you're ready I to give. I love that. I love that so much. That's, like, beautiful. And you are an extraordinary human being. That is awesome. Um, do you still have your posts to your blog? Yes. That you could, like, just tell people so that they yes. can check it out Go if they wanted to? Go to trashfreeway.com, and you can see our route, our journal. You can see info about the riders, our sponsors. Ooh, okay. So go to trashfreeway.com and... Okay. So Enjoy. that's just trash, F-R-E-E-W-A-Y.com, mm-hmm. so yeah. people know. Oh my gosh, that is so great. Is there any other way that, like, I know that um, we didn't have time to talk about it, but you do different activism with the Jewish community and different things like that. Do you just want to tell me a link or something where people can find more information about that? Because... Definitely. So I work, I'm the program manager for Jewish Veg, and 
it's an amazing nonprofit organization that helps Jews embrace a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. And so you can see our website at jewishveg.org. And outside of work, I volunteer for Direct Action Everywhere, and I'm an organizer for them, where I met Kaylin right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. And you can find out all about DXC at directactioneverywhere.com. Okay, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed that. I love, like, being able to go back and talk about it with people, and I'm sure people are going to get so much out of that. So thank you so much. Of course. And one last thing I'll add is that before Kaylin and I met, we were just like, <laughs> we have so much in common. <laughs> We have such a good feeling about this, yeah, and it's seriously. so real. The teaching so. yoga, the veganism, the activism, the bike trip. The energies, energies going on here. It's seriously like everything. I like walked into your room and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. This is like, can I just live here? It's so <laughs> yes. great. I love it. So thank you so much. Of course. So now that you got to hear that amazing story, uh, I wish it was a little longer. I think we ended up running out of time and we had to go. But anyways, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Um, that was so exciting to share. So now that you've got a little piece of that, maybe you can take a little bit with you throughout your day and spread kindness. That is what it's all about. I know I'm getting <laughs> sentimental here, but that just felt really good to hear that and listen to stories of people doing wonderful things. So as always, thank you for listening. Stay tuned next week. I will be interviewing my friend's dad that I'm staying with. He has had such an interesting life. And I can't wait for you to hear those stories because I've heard quite a few and they are too good not to share. And as always, please reach out with questions or comments on travel, lifestyle, social justice issues, anything like that. I'm happy to answer and happy to share. If you have a story that you would like to share or you know someone who you would really, really like to get their story out there, please contact me and I would love to talk to them um, either here or do an article about them or whatever. So thanks again for all your support and your love. Check out the Wander Woman Travel Network on Facebook. It's a secret group, but if you join that, you can also stay updated. You can post your own blog post to share them with everyone. You can ask questions. You can talk about whatever you want. It's awesome, and the group's growing quite a bit. I mean, a little bit, but <laughs> quite a bit for the little bit that it is growing. I don't know what that means. Anyways, thank you so much. Happy travels. Oh,